0: Welcome to episode 23 of the Go Get a Agility Podcast. My name is Margaret Hughes, and I'm your host, along with my daughter, Emma Hughes. Hi, Emma. Hi, everybody. I wanted to clarify two things from prior podcasts. Or not clarify. One, I want to clarify, and one, I want to give you a little tip. So the first thing I want to tip you on is that if we talk too slow, some podcast feeds. So like iTunes, you can listen to us on Google podcast. You can listen to us on Apple podcast, blah, blah, blah. There's a whole bunch of them. And on some of them, if we talk too slow, you can actually listen to us in one and a quarter time or one and a half times. So you can speed us up if you find that we're talking too slow, or if you find that you only have a certain amount of time and you want to go from thirty minutes to twenty minutes, you can kick us into high gear and listen to us a little bit faster. So I often do this, not only re-listening to us, but um, so I re-listen to us just to you know make sure everything's cool on the interwebs. Um, but I also other podcasts that I listen to sometimes the presentation is is just slow. And it's like, oh my gosh, this is so slow, but I really like the information. And so I will listen to other people in one and a quarter time or one and a half time. There's that advice tip for you for listening to podcasts. My other thing is that we talked about at the end of, I think it was two podcasts ago. It was in episode 17, at episode 17, right around minute 32. We were talking about how people learn and it just came across my my Facebook feed. It's called the Dunning-Kruger effect, D-U-N-N-I-N-G, C-R-U-G-E-R. And it's the confidence versus knowledge in the field uh, effect. And so it, if you want... Uh, are struggling with where you're at in agility and you kind of want to have a, a sense of why things feel weird to you or why you have confidence or lack of confidence uh, in agility, go look up the Dunning-Kruger effect and see if you can put yourself somewhere on that um, scale. Any opinion, Emma? Yeah. Um. No, actually, I I agree with both of those. I was going to
1: add that uh, for the speeding up of the podcasts, I do that with my uh, professor's video lectures all the time because she speaks quite slowly and so I'll speed it up. Uh, um, So, yeah, there's no shame in the speeding up game, in
0: my opinion. Yeah, I think it's a good tip. You know, uh, we want the information, but sometimes it can be tedious. I want to talk a little bit about Eli. And then I wanted to talk a little bit about what may be a puppy issue that's happening in, in my training and what may be a, a, a picture, a, a video reel of things to come, right? So if I have an issue, is that a puppy issue or is it of things to come? Does that make sense? Uh, Yeah. Is it
1: like, are you breaking, how are you going to break the habit eventually? Or is this just a puppy growing pain?
0: Right. And I can like ankle biting. (laughs) Right. Exactly. So like, if I ignore it, will it go away on its own? Like teething, like teething. So ankle biting and biting my hands in play are two totally different things. And one is a puppy thing that yes, I can make it worse and one is a preview show for what's to come and will get worse if it's not addressed. All right, so like, yeah, and let's use biting because that is such a good, that is such a good one. And and why does it affect us in agility? Because here's why uh, we need to make sure we put that chime into agility. So happy biting, when you're just petting your dog and they turn around, they try and gnaw on your hand, A lot of that is puppy stuff and redirection of into you know onto a toy or redirection, um, you know onto something that's appropriate or potentially even giving the puppy a timeout for a really hard bite is normal puppy stuff. It's normal for a puppy to put their mouth on you. It's normal for them to bite down. Hard at times and socialization or puppy, um, dog to dog biting and mom staying with mom until and staying with the litter, um, through some of that early six week to eight week is vital. And so, between five to eight weeks of age, even starting at four weeks, mom will. The nursing part of the relationship between puppy and mom, that is when mom teaches, starts to teach them bite inhibition. And so she will allow them to nurse on her from time to time, but will also start to instruct them, you just bit down on my nipple way too hard. And she'll correct them, she'll um, you know, somehow tell them either by getting up and leaving or by giving them a little muzzle wrap um, that you just bit down too hard, soften that bite. And when puppies are playing and jaw wrestling, they will do the same thing. And so this, this ability to learn how to moderate your bite is crucial to adulthood and if and when a dog does get into a fight with another dog or with a human, the damage or lack of damage that they cause is that bite inhibition. So bite, bite scales are, if I remember correctly, it's um, one to six, one being an air snap and they, they snapped at you, but they did not make any contact and six being maiming killing. So there's a whole range of bite levels within that. And where we want our dogs, if they're going to bite is somewhere between a one and a three. So four starts with stitches and you know deeper wounds that require intervention from either a vet or a doctor. And three being, yeah, I felt the bite they caused an indentation but no stitches are required and so that 3 to 4 break is it, for me for me personally back when i was doing aggression was whether or not i c- could take a case or not okay so is the insurance of do we have a known biter how bad was the bite did it require stitches and it, whether or not i could Accept a, a bite dog into my, um, into my practice or, in you know, I, I'm not a vet, but I feel like a practice is more veterinary based, but no, oh, but I mean, you were certified for yeah, everything, I, I'm a certified dog trainer and, and, uh, certified in, in aggression. And, um, and so anyway, but my insurance that I held at the time there, that was the breaking point was, you know, how, how severe of aggression is it? And how much did I want to, um, do as far as um i didn't i didn't want to deal with dogs that had killed other dogs so i did not purchase the insurance that allowed me to do that um so anyway getting back to bite inhibition and teaching our puppies bite inhibition that that part of puppyhood is important and it's crucial for us to have actual physical contact with our dogs so that we can gauge as puppies when they don't have the the strong jaw pressure but they do have the sharp pointy teeth that puppy time is a crucial time to teach them bite inhibition and also at the exact same time gauge how much bite inhibition they have so with Eli um, right now, he's been doing just a ton of jaw wrestling with Jinx, which is awesome as well to teach that bite inhibition. And he tells Jinx, and Jinx tells him when that bite pressure was too much, and so the, the game ends, or they get a little snarky with each other. Jinx gets up and walks away, um, or he corrects him, you know, with a, a strong muzzle wrap, and you know, says, "Hey, whoa, dude, that was too much." But I also do one on one play with me and so I will have a toy and playing you know tug playing um just jaw wrestling stuff with a, a toy and tradings in and out of, of the toy and if he misses the toy and strikes my hand that is my chance to gauge where his mouth is at right so his job is to try not to grab my hand but if he does grab my hand, how much pressure does he put on? My job is to know the pressure level that I will accept and the pressure level that I won't accept, and to give him that information of when it's too hard or when it's soft. And and so and I give him a a a, a information through either a uh, ouch that hurt, and a little time out, or I keep playing. So, you know, hey, dude, don't touch my hand, but let's keep playing. So what's my point on this? Um, uh, ankle grabbing. Uh, does it hurt? Because I think
1: I'll um, butt in here, I guess, from my own personal experience. Um, so Dottie's an ankle grabber, um, always has been, and I feel like she always will. Um, but it never hurt. So when she made contact, especially in the summer when all I was wearing was like socks and there's no pant leg. Um, She used to go for the pant leg, right? And then it slowly turned into she would just go for the ankle. She just grabbed my skin. But she never actually bit down. She just kind of put her mouth around my ankle and made a lot of noise. But she never actually drew blood. And so that is why I allowed it to continue because it didn't hurt and I thought it was funny and she's tiny. Um, I think it would be different if you had, say, a German shepherd that did it to you. Um, That would probably be a little bit less fun. Um, just because they are bigger and you can't, like, you know, move out of the way and stuff. Um, And so it really depends on your uh, um, criteria and how much you're willing to let your dog get away with. And obviously, if they are ankle biting and they are drawing blood or it's hurting or you just don't like it, that is something that you need to work on. Um, Because as Dottie has shown, yes, it started as a puppy, but it's continued well into her adult years. And that is it's just something that hasn't stopped. Yeah, but
0: yeah, but you're talking about so I I hear what you're saying. But there is still a difference between the behavior that Dottie was giving you and redirected frustration. Right. Okay, so yeah. She That's it's play, isn't it? Dottie may have started out as frustration. But it didn't continue as frustration. No, that is true. Um, so there's a difference there.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: she also would stop and redirect easily. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so she I didn't agree. come back and bite you again, come back and bite you again, come back and bite you again when yeah. older. All right, enough, we're done. Yeah, that um, is true. Yeah, there's. And hers was very much based in hurting. Hmm. not frustration right
1: um and i'm not coming on this podcast to say hey if your dog ankle bites you should let it happen because i think the majority of people don't like it and they don't want their dogs to do it and it is kind of hard uh, especially if you're like a first time herding breed owner or if you're like getting a border collie or something where it's a little bit more intense because it's a border collie or like a german shepherd or something um it's a little bit harder to tell if it's play or if it's frustration and so I if I got another dog I don't think I would allow them to ankle bite me regardless um and especially if they're doing it on course like that's not okay I will not allow Dottie to ankle bite on course exactly. or in
0: so, training so she did it in two places in agility um she did it so and this was frustration this was yes. um redirected frustration redirected what you're asking me to do is too stressful Therefore, I'm going to put it on to you, and right. and I do remember you, uh, you shutting it down as quickly as you could, even though in the house you didn't mind it, right? But on the court, <laughs> on the course, you definitely were like, no, 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 that is not acceptable. So she learned the difference between in house tugging on your foot, right? On your ankle, tugging on your socks versus we're working now in agility. I I agree. And I think that also there are uh, other
1: signs that you can watch for. So if you have like, say a long sweatshirt on that the sleeves come past your hands and if your dog goes for the ankle and you're like, hey, stop that. And they come up and they grab at your sleeve or they grab at your shirt or they grab at, you know, if you have like a treat bag, like, you know, those cute little tote bag things Um, or they grab at that. Or a tug up in your pocket. If you say hey buddy don't do that and they come up and they d- try to do something else that's frustration right that's not play because if it was play they'd be like oh man okay let's do something else but frustration is they you know dogs are are very complicated creatures and so they can't figure out where what to do with this frustration because they don't understand what you're asking and so they'll just kind of bite at things um and that's probably your shirt or you know your pants or you know whatever right so
0: yeah there are also signs Dottie never did any of
1: that so that's why i didn't worry
0: yeah and and the ability to to learn how to work for a tug is different than working and give me the tug right there's a difference and you got to be careful when you are toy training especially with a puppy the the obstacle doesn't immediately equal the toy every single time because mm-hmm. you'll create this repetition of obstacle toy obstacle toy and so what you end up doing is not so much training the obstacle focus you're training obstacle immediately into handler focus and that that can cause more frustration when you don't give it to them so now you're asking for multiple obstacles in a row and bam they're like i can't do it the tug right they just like kind of they have to have the tug right yeah yeah taught them three obstacles tug or two obstacles tug and part of that ends up with them beating you out of an obstacle
1: Right. Mm -hmm. So they're already
0: starting to wrap and curl back into you. So rather than causing a tripping hazard, people pull out the tug and say, "Okay, go on to this instead. Right. And it just creates this um, this snowball effect. Yeah. Where you get way too much handler focus Mm -hmm. because of placement of reward, because they have to come back to you for the tug.
1: Yeah. And you can see, I think the most obvious obstacle you can see it with just because the bars come down is jumps. Right. And so let's say you're kind of behind your dog. Right. Um, and they come out of a tunnel, say, and they curl into you and they look at you. And if you don't have like a go on cue or if your dog just doesn't know the jump. Right. If they're a puppy, they'll just kind of look at you and you're like, hey, go over, go over. And they just kind of back up with you until you're like right on top of the jump. And then they're like, oh, Okay, that's what you wanted. And then they jump and then they expect the toy again. Right. And, and this so, is, so
0: and this is one of the yeah. dangers of puppy training agility. I mean, so right. let's let's set, set aside all the physical problems with teaching agility to a puppy too young. I mean, there's so many problems I see when when people are looking at training puppies for equipment. I mean, for mm. actual equipment like jumping like a frames like dog walks. I mean, even small, small dog walks. You know, they, they have um like uh what what is it called um a contact clip and go does one yeah so oh have, I know what you're they, talking they about have yes, the yes contact yes. trainers yeah they have uh, the teacup um that's right are yeah. much smaller um so even though height wise like oh, okay it's not the greatest thing um there's so many bad habits that can ar- arise trying to teach puppies for a host of reasons, but one of which is their inability to focus forward yet. They can't physically, they haven't learned, they're just not enough time. There's just not enough um, uh, uh, mental capacity Mm, on the puppy's part to be able to handle focus forward. They just don't have that knowledge.
1: Right. It's like putting a toddler in like a Formula One car and you're like, all right,
0: go on the track and go in. Well, let's you know? go. It's like less, you have to get a car thing in there somehow, right? OK, so you went from kindergarten to, to uh, college. Let's go even kindergarten to middle school. You mm, can't yeah. a middle, a kindergartner or even a first grader and say, hey, start reading this because right. you're so freaking smart. And right. that's the problem is that they can show elements of smartness like border collies right so mm-hmm. all of our herding breeds there's just people love them in agility because they're so freaking smart they are good guessers up. i mean my little dude picked up the word potty within like week 10 i mean so yeah. two weeks with me and he started peeing on cue it's like yeah oh, you are so freaking smart um, <laughs> he's a good boy and so but and so you get this false sense that i can keep going in agility with him because he's already showing me such amazing signs of of his ability to move faster and so as a, a puppy owner i have to be very very diligent in how much I push him and how fast mm-hmm. I push him because he's reckless in his body. He doesn't have not reckless, that's the wrong word. He's actually a very good body dog. Um he's he's already very aware of his his hind end, but not to the point that I need him on a dog walk. Not right. to the point where I need him um on even a, even jumping, like being able to wrap a jump stanchion, he just wants to flail himself if I allow him around mm-hmm. these jump stanchions, and it's the mental capacity to be able to handle all this work.
1: Yeah, I think it's physical too, because um, especially with dogs like Border Collies, you know, you see, oh, smartest dog in the world. And I disagree with that. I don't think any dog is smarter than the other, but I do think that Border Collies are A, very, very good at guessing, and B, very, very good at repetition. Love repetition. So they will just go and go and go. And I remember when Jinx had a cut on his paw or something, and we were doing an international seminar with him, and he was literally bleeding up and down his leg. He's like, okay, let's do go again. So they won't tell you that they're hurting. And this um, kind of goes with jumping a puppy. So any dog under a year, it doesn't matter how high that bar is off the ground. You know, even if it's like four inches, you know, I mean, that repetition, they will not tell you if it hurts. That's right. I Um, remember remember. German shepherds, um, all these big breeds, they won't tell you if it
0: hurts. I remember that seminar and I remember seeing blood on the turf and I'm like, whoa, that's from my dog. He yeah. never gave me any indication that his paws, his pads were, were tearing up zero indication. I wasn't used to running on turf. And so I didn't, I didn't understand how the turf ripped up their paws. I sure do now. Um, and I was like, Oh my gosh, dude, you're not even limping. He was yeah. just like, I'm doing it. I'm going, I love this. Yeah. Yeah. Border are crazy. That's what, that's what a lot of the herding dogs will do. Uh, and that's not to say that, other breeds won't do it as no, well. of course not. Yeah, they they sure can have some high high repetition dogs and other um, oh, absolutely. in other groups. Yeah, I think it's just like they just
1: won't tell you if they hurt, and so if you're jumping a puppy, say, or you're doing high impact sports, this could go for anything, right? For frisbee, for jumping, for uh, even dog diving.
0: Yeah, but you even know, obedience, were... just high high focus on a heel pattern, right? With yeah. a young puppy. Yeah, it's so much. they just can't handle it, but they won't tell you that they can't handle it. Let's go back to jumping with puppies and even just having a bar out on a jump stanchion. So I personally don't even introduce bars to adult dogs until they have a clear understanding of what a jump stanchion is,
1: mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So
0: in my foundation class, I don't think we get to a jump stanchion until week three, week four. And that's because in the beginning we're working, just going around something, just going around a cone and teaching the dog a little bit of, of obstacle focus. And then I also teach a lot of people that have never been in the agility world and we're teaching handler skills as well. And so we're c- combining these two disciplines of dogs learning how to go around something and then also handlers and then combining the two together. And so we don't even get to a jump stanchion till week four ish. And then I don't put bars on until we really start. I really start to see the handlers are understanding their job, because one of the things about bars And one of the reasons that bars get knocked and jump stanchions get knocked is because the dogs are in too much handler focus. And the dog is required when they are working a jump, they're required to look at the bar for a second. Even if it's for a split second, they're required to take notice of where the bar is in order to lift appropriately. And if they're still looking at their handlers, then the bar is just something to get stepped on. Let's look at Cavaletti's. So Cavaletti's is a series of low bars on the ground. If you're expecting your dog to do Cavaletti's with their head up, then it's like going from boulder to boulder across a river without looking down at the boulders. Yeah. Right? Scary. Like, just take a guess and step and don't hit the river. Yeah. Yeah. American Ninja Warrior, but like, it's with a puppy. (laughs) (laughs) In Ninja Warrior, they're not having to look at the announcer. No, no. They're looking at the obstacles. Yeah, because you'll roll your
1: ankle, right? And it's like the same thing. I remember when Dot was very young, I put bars on the ground. So not even at two inches or four inches, I literally just on the ground. I thought, oh, yeah, I need to teach her what a bar looks like, right? And I remember you came out and you said, well, no, don't do that because you're going to roll her ankle. And it's yeah. very true, right? The, I mean, puppies, they have such tiny strides, right? Um, They're looking at you, they're in handler focus, you know, and every time a dog knocks a bar, every time, you know, if your, your puppy looks at you, and they step on that pole, and it rolls because it's round, now you've just rolled an ankle. And it's like, oh, man, now I've got to fix my puppy. That's like, you know, under a year.
0: Yeah, the and only, yeah, yeah, the only, the only positive to going over bars is just not to become afraid of PVC. Right? <laughs> yeah, like that's don't go only...
1: underneath the bar, but like, there's plenty of time for that later.
0: Yeah, I mean, and how I'm teaching it for Eli right now is that when I do set bars for you know my students, is yes, he's with me on a leash. Or I'm feeding him and I'm setting with one hand and holding him on a cookie with the other hand. So I've got a cookie in his mouth. And so I'm just manipulating the bar next to him, but I'm definitely not using the bar as a jumping opportunity. It's just hang out next to stuff that moves, hang out next to things that uh, may have a different sound to them or um, that you know I accidentally kick next to you or I drop it next to you, you don't have any reaction to that because I'm socializing you to it, not because I'm training you on it. Yeah. In terms so, of puppies, I mean agility's the,
1: you know, last thing you want to do. Right. It's like who cares about jumping? They've got 10 years of their life to learn how to jump. They've I, got 10 years of their life to learn contacts. I mean you retrain Jinx's contacts at the
0: age of seven. Yeah. Right. Right. So let me just talk about contact So one thing that that you know again dogs not having skill set and this is hard for adult dogs but it's even dangerous for puppies and that is again going back into handler focus right so the dog should be an obstacle focus when they're going over a contact because they need to look at the obstacle but when they're ascending or, or sorry descending on a contact obstacle if they start looking at you in expectant of a reward or a tug or the end of the game Or even that they're just beating you. So if they're beating you over the contact, natural tendency is to start curling into you. Going straight on a contact is a trained behavior. It's not natural. It's a trained behavior to go straight on a contact. So natural tendency of a puppy is to start curling into you. And now they're coming down the A-frame sideways. That is so bad for the shoulders that is so bad for the shoulders and what do they do when they get close to the bottom they jump so now they're not only jumping which they shouldn't be doing that's not you know natural out in the on a walk jumping if you're manufacturing the jumping you're putting stress on the body parts that should not have stress so they're jumping but they're also jumping sideways mm, you yeah. are killing your dog's shoulders you're killing up,
1: yeah and their that's on just their, their ankles
0: their mm-hmm. wrists all of it
1: yeah and that's on the you know on the a-frame and if your dog turns on the a-frame you can kind of get away with it right i mean it's obviously very very bad for the dog but you know they've got a lot of room um to move around on but i i oh, also physically remember, yeah yes physically um but if your dog is on the dog walk and even if their head turns, when dog's heads turn, their butt moves in the opposite direction. That's right. And so they always spin to look at you. So if your dog or, even or, thinks,
0: yes, not even necessarily spin, but they rotate and they drop that right. back far foot off, that right. causes them. To yeah. fall off. So if your dog looks and at God you, forbid um, you have anything underneath your dog walk <laughs> right, when you're right. doing this. I your used to start jumps under the dog themselves. walk Oh,
1: you know, you kick yourself in the years to come. Um, and you know, and so when your dog looks at you, goes in, you know, for whatever, when you're training the dog walk, all of a sudden their back feet are coming off, and all of a sudden your dog's just flipped over backwards. Um, and you can even see it happen with experienced dogs. Millie did it once um, when she had been doing, you know, perfect, perfect dog walks for the first 10 years of her life. Looked at me once, back end came off, she flipped off backwards. Yeah. Um, I mean, she was okay, luckily, but that is not something that you want to continue on in your. Uh, it's not something you want to start as a puppy and then allow to continue on as they get up to the dog walk that is literally, what is it, four feet off the ground? That is a long, long fall for a dog.
0: Yeah. It's a, yeah. And, and if you're under eight months, uh, yeah. Good gracious. You're just causing problems. You're causing problems for the future. I'm not saying that we don't set our dogs up for skills. I mean, there, there's the camp of, of folks that, you know, just let them be a puppy, just let them be a puppy. And I'm, I'm a little bit for that, but I'm also for, well, okay, but I can install some behaviors that are going to benefit me in the future. Right. I don't have, I don't want to do overkill on them. Like I want to introduce them and get just a little knowledge in there so that I can utilize that in the future, but I don't want to, hammer it. I don't want to do it every single day where it becomes not only boring and repetitious, um, but it becomes physically dangerous, right? Physically, I'm manipulating how my dogs are working their bodies. And I need to be careful of that. And, And again, it's tough because Eli is showing so much promise right now. I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to get Further down the line, right? I can't wait to see where we are a year from now. And, but I'm not in any hurry to get him onto that start line the minute that he turns of legal age. We may be there, we may not be there, but I'm not in any hurry to establish agility because he physically wants to do it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There's a lot of things that I can introduce them to that will benefit me in agility that's not actual agility equipment.
1: Yeah, there's a false, I think we talked about this in a previous podcast, um, there's a false um, sense of, of agility training that goes around, I think. Um, obviously, you guys might disagree, but I, I really do stand by this, that everybody always thinks that agility is jumps. And so if your dog can jump, your dog can do agility. And it's like, "Well, wait a minute. Let's let's go back to foundations, right? Because agility is not in my opinion agility should not be about getting by. So, if you come off a course and you're like, "Oh, man, we just got by." But that's the sport of agility. I I I very politely disagree with that. And so, if you are training your puppy and you're like, "Oh, well, you know, she can do three jumps in a row." It's like, "Well, well, that's not agility. That's just your dog going over a jump." You know, can they do it quickly, right? Can they do it safely after they are, you know, say 18 months? Can your dog do it after 18 months? That's when you start to worry about jumps, right? And like teeters and whatever. When you're like, okay, it's 18 months and they're not they're not doing great. Um, and but then that goes back to your foundations, right? It always right. leads back to foundations. It's
0: like, so why isn't my dog doing well? Well, because they don't have foundations. Yeah, and and relationship. Right. right. So there's there's over handler focused. Right. And, and so you really have to be aware of placement of reward and when you reward and how you reward and what you're actually rewarding, right? You need to try and prevent that frustration from arising through clear training and training things that the dog is understanding versus just doing equipment for the sake of doing equipment. Right. You've got so much time to learn. Oh, and there's so much beauty in watching them clearly understand their job. Right. Right. There's so yeah. much understanding or beauty in that. I just, when yeah. I see the light bulb go on for Eli, I'm blown away because I yeah. love the train. I think maybe that's the difference between some trainers uh, and, and layman people is that I love the learning process, even if what the behavior that I'm getting is really junky right now, like, Oh my gosh, that is not the end behavior that I want. I love the little micro learning curves that happen when I am trying to get to a behavior that I do want. Right. You can see the finish line. I know what the finish line is. And I know that the finish line requires me going through the entire alphabet to get there. I right. can't jump from yeah. A to Z and right. on most stuff. There has to be some especially complicated technical yeah. skills that I'm I'm required and yeah. skills that compound on each other. Right. Right. And so yeah. right now I'm not asking for compound behaviors. I'm not asking my dog to transition from a a, a stay position into obstacle focus multiple times. Yeah. Like, right? a,
1: you know, like, oh, let's do six obstacles in a row. You know, like that's right. that's like, hard. No,
0: just walk next to me. <laughs> right. Be don't, a dog. <laughs> and don't curl in front of me. There's, exactly. obstacle, there's obstacle learning right now there is yeah. walk next to me, don't curve into me.
1: Yeah. As the I forget who said it, but once somebody said you don't want to cross the finish line, you want to own the finish line. And that is very true, right? You want to be able to see it. Yeah. Um, and I think um, you know, a lot of newer, new trainers, new um, handlers, they don't
0: see the end result. They can't see it in their mind's eye. And you well, they see the end to. result. They don't see the technical stuff that goes on to get to the end result. Right, exactly. They just want the end result and everything right. else is considered puppy stuff. It They'll grow out of it. Right. Sorry, and they won't. I think you're seeing a preview to the show that you're going to present yeah. two years Dottie of age. Body proves ankle biting lasts. All right, so I wanted to say that the... Um, what I when I said earlier the the um, you know the the preview that you're getting of biting of frustration barking blah 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 um, the preview is a preview to the show that's to come I butchered how I said that but that is a Jess Martin's saying Jess Martin's is out of Canada um, she has great great information that she offers up to anybody that joins her Facebook page Agility Success. I think is what it's called, or Successful Agility. Anyway, Jess Martins out of Canada. Um, yeah, she talks about the preview, what the behavior preview that you're getting is just a, a preview to the show that you're going to get. So if you're getting bad behavior in practice, you're going to get that bad behavior in a trial. And so I really like how she how she explained it. It's really good. So we've talked a lot about things that I don't like to do as puppies, um, that I think that sometimes we push them further than we should in our training, in in an effort to not only take advantage of their sponge brains and wear them out a little bit so that they're mentally happy and physically happy, but I'll I, I do want to talk about things that I've been doing with Eli that can and should be a podcast all by itself. And so I I do want to do a podcast on all the foundation training that I have been doing. Did we not already do that? We did foundations aren't sexy. Yeah, we did, but like that wasn't that was for like dogs learning agility, not like specifically puppy stuff. So we did do we did the foundations, but I want to really dive into what I've been doing. But he's only 14 weeks old. And so I think I need to hold off on that podcast until, you know, I continue to work them up towards six months, eight months, 10 months, because each month or every, you know, couple of months, it kind of adds a new stage of what I want to do with them. But these early weeks, months, I'm focused more on obedience than I am on agility skills but the Mm. obedience directly influences what he's going to do in agility skills right like obedience to me is not healing in healing focus it's not competitive obedience it's just basic obedience with an edge towards agility of stay at my side don't run past my hand right right yeah
1: Yeah, because I think puppy foundations and regular agility dog foundations are different, right? Because your people that come into your classes, right, they oftentimes they'll have adult dogs. And so those foundations are different. So what you're learning in foundations right now is not what you should be doing if you get a puppy, say. Um, and right. so puppy foundations are much different than agility foundations, um, you know, bars, no bars, um, you know, no contacts, no weedfuls, um, you know, stuff like that. No, nothing hard
0: on their bodies. Right. And all the obedience that I am doing with him, I expect that to be done in the obedience class in puppy classes that people are taking elsewhere. Right. Like I don't teach obedience. I don't teach puppy classes for obedience i don't even do i've done a handful of puppy classes for agility and if i did them again i would do them differently now um and i would do a heck of a lot more focus on obedience type stuff impulse control um than i would on i mean i would do a ton of, of body awareness stuff too mm-hmm. right so it would um Just be body awareness stuff, travel planks, noise stuff that will help ready them for the teeters, help ready them for just being, you know, neutral with noises, uh, neutral with movement stuff right now in these early 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 stages I'm working a ton on obedience and impulse control with some trick training stuff in there but there are some tricks that I'm purposely holding back on which I know he can completely do but I also know that it will kind of erupt things that I don't want him to do um, and so I'm being very aware of what I want to introduce when right
1: I think the bottom line is just safety Right, that is like the end all be all, right? It's, it's like it, it's really like, are is this hard on your dog's body, um, even if they don't tell you? And yes, oh, maybe we shouldn't be doing that under the year under one. Year. Oh my goodness, I can't talk. If yes, then maybe we shouldn't be doing that under a year old.
0: But and so yeah, so safety, uh, growing bones, and growing brain, and growing, mm. um, just mental ability to handle oneself in a high excitement, uh, a time period. Right. Like puppies get really, really animated and excited when they're playing with toys and like over the top, like, oh my God, it's a toy. And they're so stinking cute about it too, right? They just like pounce funny and they they grab things that are really, they just are so cute when they do it that you want to see it more. And we giggle and we laugh and oh, it's so cute but we have to be the adults in the room and we have to know what is safe for our dogs, even though they physically um, have the the ability to do it, they shouldn't be doing it.
1: Right. Right. Like, Yeah. And a lot of people say, well, well, what could be the issue, right? My dog is big enough for this. So therefore, you know, they should be able to jump or whatever. And it's like, well, it might not show up right in the two, when they're two, when they're three, when they're four, but when your dog hits six, all of a sudden they're knocking bars all of a sudden they've got arthritis and you're like well wait a minute what's going on and it's because you know you made them do agility under a year old it it really it deteriorates their joints and they won't be able to walk which is very depressing on this fun family podcast (laughs) um but there is an element of danger to agility that uh, gets overlooked quite a bit because puppies are just so
0: cute Well, and we so badly want to see them do equipment and the general Joe public isn't into the weeds of sit-stay when they join an agility class. right. I need to make my students do more sit-stay work. (laughs) He's like, okay, I know you stand up for agility, but
1: we're going to do obedience.
0: That is the hard part of being an agility instructor is playing to the strengths of wanting to give people equipment time but also knowing that if i just hand them agility equipment out of the gate there's a serious risk to injury for the dog and being aware of that and working it as safely as possible for the dog and teaching the dog impulse control around all this dangerous equipment all right yeah and the more high strung they are the harder it gets the harder it gets to control that and and you know i've been doing this a number of years and i have the odd dog that throws me a a curveball we're like whoa how do we manage your body when you can't How do we slow this exercise down when you want to go at warp speed and it's tough. There's some dogs out there that really are high, high, high drive and slowing them down. Sometimes that's almost more dangerous. Yeah. Uh, These are adult, not, not adult dogs, but young dogs that are at the age where they can start doing equipment. And yet, they're still, their bodies are so stinking yeah. big and, and gangly. They, yeah. You
1: see it in, in novice a lot, you know, the really young dogs that come in and they're just knocking bars left and right, just cause they don't know what their bodies are like anymore. Um, but it's, it's a, you know, fine balance, right. Of not letting your six month old, you know, run around doing, you know, height, heightened jumps, but then also letting your, you know, 18 month old, let loose a little bit. Yeah. Go get them listeners. I apologize profusely, but I am being called to dinner in three minutes. So (laughs) I will be leaving this podcast now. Um, My friends say hello. (laughs) Maybe I'll get one on this
0: podcast.
1: See what an outsider thinks. So in
0: case you didn't know, Emma's across the pond. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm in are, university right now. So. We are not sat in the same room together. We will be in two weeks,
1: though. Isn't that exciting? That is we exciting. We can podcast together. I'm very excited yeah. about that.
0: Okay. Well, thanks, Sam, for chit-chatting with me about yeah puppy stuff. and Yeah. Um, you know, Puppies are fun. Oh, gosh. These are am, exciting. I oh. am having so much fun. He's Eli's cute. He is just, I just love him. I'm having yeah. so much fun with him. Yeah. Right. Don't overtrain your dogs, young dogs. Don't overtrain your young dogs. Don't even overtrain your old dogs. Right, right. Yeah. You got a, you got a three, four year old. Are you overtraining them? Maybe that's a whole podcast. In oh itself. dear, just keep coming up with them. My Especially goodness. if you're working hard, hard stuff like weed pulls and teeters. Yeah. <sighs> I mean, there's there's some benefit to doing it every day, but man, you can overdo it if if they're struggling. And with that,
1: <laughs> um, thank you for listening to the Go Get Em
0: Achillitis podcast. Go get them!